Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. First off, um, Pastor, of course, is away on uh, down, down in, I think, the Carolinas, um, and he asked me to, to give the message tonight, um, and he said, why well, I do it? And so um, I said, yeah, sure, and uh, I was praying as to what to give, and I believe he's given me something. Um, actually, it was something that kind of dropped to me right when he said it, and then I began working on it since then, um, but... Uh, as I went to print it, it went print, so now I have to do my notes from my phone, which is the first time ever I've had to do a message via phone, so this is new for me. Um, if I had to, well, if I had to title uh, this message, which I'm not big on giving messages titles, I would title it, Wait Your Turn. Um, if, uh, I know Jordan's helped me out with uh, scripture, Isaiah 40, verse 31 in the King James. Um, everybody should be familiar with the scripture. Um, it says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Um, that is, that is a word that most people don't really care for. Wait. Now, wait, wait. I used to hear that all the time from my mom, when, especially when I was a kid. Wait, wait. How many like waiting in traffic? I don't know if anybody else is like me, but you yell at the other drivers as if they can hear you. Who taught you how to drive? Did you get your license out of a Cracker Jack box? God's tapping me on my shoulder the whole time. Calm down, calm down. Um, don't like to wait. How many, I don't know if anybody else is like me, but like you're, you find yourself looking at your watch when you get something in the microwave because it's not moving fast enough for you. Um, <laughs> Trish, Trish will constantly tell me to slow down, take your time, because I want to rush and I want to juggle 101 things at once, many plates, and and waiting is a is a rough thing for me. And I think every time I pray for patience, that's when I'm in a hurry somewhere and they have construction. So I think God tries to work that patience in me. Um, uh, one of the other things that we get patient for is when we're kids. Um, if you guys have had Thanksgiving, family Thanksgivings. Everybody, I'm sure, has had those moments when you've had to sit at the kid table, and you have the little, like, plastic silverware, and then a little cheap little placemat or whatever, and everybody else at the big table, and what I really hate is when it's a big family function, and you're, like, right on the edge of, like, 11, 12, and you're still at the kid's table, and everybody there is younger than you, and you see the older people in there at the big table, and it's so... I thought as a kid, you always think it's humiliating, it's humbling. Um, Many times in life, there's something you're believing for, whatever, and you feel like you never get it. You never get that thing that you're believing for, whatever, and you feel like you're always at the kid's table. When am I ever going to get to graduate to the big table, you know? And 
you just feel like, God, I've been asking, I've been asking. Or, or, or maybe, it, maybe it's not something. Maybe it's a loved one you've been praying for and you're not seeing the change. And every single time you pray for them, you see it, it seems like they get worse. And it's just like, God, are they ever going to get saved? Are they ever going to? And you're praying for that thing. And you just feel like you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And I use this table here as what you're waiting for, that, that special thing, whatever it is. Like if you've ever... <laughs> If you've ever had, and it's one of the messages that I uh, gave when me and uh, Maggie and um, uh, Jordan gave messages about giving, um, there's times where I went through really financial tough times, and sometimes you had to do the plastic civil war and the PB&Js, um, and you have money for a nice fancy restaurant, um, but you see that, and you kind of want that, and so you see that fancy restaurant, and they got the nice table with the nice glasses. And it's all decked out. And then they have the nice silverware. And you're like, God, when am I going to ever, when am I going to ever be able to, to have that? I see other people having it, and when is it my turn? And like I said, it could represent not necessarily something. It could remember, re represent someone, someone you're praying for, someone you're believing for that you haven't seen, some change in your life, some promotion at work, some... And you just feel like you're hitting the same thing again and again and again and again. And so sometimes when you hear the word wait, especially in a scripture like this, they that wait upon the Lord, it could be like a, a salt in a wound. You're just like, I don't want to hear wait one more time. I've been praying for this for a long time, God. But a lot of times God has us wait continually. It feels like, even though it's not. Because in, uh, <laughs> I'll just sidebar joke I heard, um, God, you know, to God, a thousand years is as a day, and a million dollars is like a penny to him, and somebody told that to this little kid, and he said, God, is a million dollars, like, what, what is that like to you? He says, a penny. He says, what is a million years like? He said, blink of an eye. He says, a million dollars is really like a penny to you? He says, I paved my streets with gold. And this little child says, God? He says, yeah. Can I have a penny? God says, in a second. So sometimes it takes a little bit for what you're, what you're wanting, but it'll come. When you're a little kid, you want everything now. We're in a microwave society, and you want everything. And I've heard, you've heard little kids say this, mine, mine, mine. They cling to something, mine. And they get through the, some people, it's the terrible twos, is when everything's mine. And they want that thing, and, and they want it now. But we have to wait. And waiting isn't a human trait, which is why it's something that God has to work in us. If you look at scripture, Abraham was promised a son, and he was told to wait for the son. Abraham, and we'll get to the fact that he was called the father of faith, but he also got impatient. He didn't want to wait. His wife Sarah said, you know, it's taken a little while for this to happen, and I'm getting older. My maidservant's here. Maybe that's how God's going to do it. Abraham, being the strong man he was, said, that sounds like God, and gave that a try, and they had Ishmael. And God, of course, rebuked him and 
too long to go into. It's for another message. But the descendants of Ishmael have been fighting against the descendants of Isaac ever since over in the Middle East. And it's going to be that way up until the Armageddon, fighting against the Israelites. He eventually, God eventually brought Isaac. And as he's being told to sacrifice that one thing he's been waiting for, I know he was having a long talk walking up that mountain with, Abra- with uh, um, Isaac. And Abraham was probably talking with God. And the whole time, I'm sure God was talking back. And when he says, God, I don't think I can do this. And he's not, he, you know, he's talking with God probably in his head. And Isaac's right alongside of him. And he's like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can go through with this, God. I love this boy. And the whole time, the boy's probably saying stuff. Dad, what are we doing? Daddy, what are we doing? And making it harder and harder. And I'm sure God was talking back to Abraham, giving him the strength, giving him the encouragement, helping him to become what he wanted, what he needed Abraham to be. Till finally he was ready to get to that, go through step by step, each time getting stronger, taking that next step closer to where he was going to sacrifice his son. To the point where he was actually tying him, binding him, as the scripture says, laying him on the altar. And in some movies, and it kind of irritates me, it shows the son all willfully just lying there. I'm sure in real life, I'm sure the son was probably not understanding what was going on and probably like freaking out. And the whole time, Abraham's having to do what God told him to do until God says, there's a ram in the bush. Do not strike your son because he was faithful. But he had to wait. He had to wait for that moment. He had to prove himself faithful and wait for that moment. The whole time, God is working on him and teaching him character, integrity, to be, to be a man of faith. Abram wasn't born a man of faith. God developed him in that. And in the book of Hebrews, it calls him this great man of faith. But the whole time, the Holy Spirit should get all the credit because he's the one that was building him through all those walks, through all those steps. The children of Israel, when they were in Egypt, and they were getting ready to walk from Egypt to the promised land, the land of Canaan, the land of Canaan, which is now Lebanon, Land flowing with milk and honey. And they were promised that for years. Even while they were in slavery, if you study scripture, even while they were in slavery, they were promised that one day they would have this land of promise, this promised land full of milk and honey. And they were led out of the wilderness through a pillar of cloud by day, which was God, and then a pillar of fire by night. And so because they didn't have GPS, God was their GPS. And so, you know, where you GPS would say left turn here God would pull the cloud that direction and they would follow the cloud now if you google and I love google if you google the distance from Egypt to Lebanon the distance is exactly 585 miles how long would that take Well, if you Google that as well, you can find out it takes approximately 20 minutes to walk one mile at a moderate pace. So if you're walking 585 miles, it would take 11,700 minutes or 195 hours or just eight days. Yet it took the Israelites 40 years to make an eight-day trip. Walking at a moderate pace. Now, if you count into the fact that's not counting sleep, so okay, let's say they slept 16 days. Let's say they slept a lot, 24 days. That still does not justify 40 years walking 
a, what, 24-day distance. So why? Especially if, I mean, I think God is a better GPS than Siri or Google or, I mean, I think he kind of knows where he's going. So was God schizophrenic? Was God, like, just sleeping on the job and, like, oh, I'm supposed to move the cloud, you know? I don't think so. Because what you find when you study scripture, and I'm not going to go into all of the detail of it, um, but one of the things that <laughs> I think happened is God is leading them out of the, the wilderness into the land of promise. And as he's walking them, they're being faithful. You know, God is great. God is wonderful. And he starts raining manna. And they're like, oh, God, you're so wonderful. You're so awesome. And like, we're going to eventually get to that promised land. That I see that. And then they start saying, we got to eat manna again? When are we going to start getting that thing that you promised us? And then God takes the cloud and goes, oh, you need another lap. You know, and we go around the mountain again. And then they're like, okay, God, you're awesome. You're wonderful. You're great. You're awesome. And then they say, when are we going to get there? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Another lap around the mountain. And the whole time they're just like, why are we, why is it taking so long? Which is why, like, how we sound when we keep asking for something again and again, thinking that, well, God doesn't hear my prayers like he hears other people's prayers. No, he hears them just as well as he hears anybody else's. But it's that character, it's that integrity, it's that stuff on the inside. He's developing you so you can handle what he's going to give you. So he's developing it, and he's working on them. And then, but every time they did, you know, they'd go from, you know, complaining to he'd do another lap. Just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. And not getting to where they need to go. Every year after year, to where there was a whole generation that didn't get what they were hoping for because they wouldn't stop the grumbling and complaining. They wouldn't get the integrity, the relationship that they were supposed to or they needed to get to have that, what they were believing for, that promised, promised land. Now, with the promised land, there were giants, and, and as you read further in Scripture, even once they get to that point, then they had another thing they had to wait for because people would grumble. We can't handle that. Their giants are too big. There was only two people out of an entire nation of people that said, we can do it. God took us out of Egypt. We can, we can make, surely make it through those, those giants, but only two. So they had to keep doing another lap, doing another lap because they didn't get that integrity. When you understand the Scripture, they that wait upon the Lord... It is not, and this is what people think. They think, hopefully I don't mess up his cords, so I'm going to try to, they think, okay, I got to wait. I got to wait. Okay, when you're ready, God, I'll wait. God, will you give me a job? I'll expect that phone to ring. I believe that phone's going to ring. And they're not doing anything. They're not building up any integrity, anything. They're not stepping towards whatever there is that they're believing for. And so I think it's just waiting. Or I'm praying for a person to get saved, but I'm not doing anything during that time, during that period, that waiting period. And the waiting isn't a looking at your watch kind of wait, which is what we think. Because just like with Egypt, I mean not Egypt, with uh, Greek and Hebrew, if I say I love my wife, I also say I love a good cheeseburger. I love a juicy Red Robin Bunzai burger. Well, does that mean my wife is like a bonsai red robin burger? No. 
in the Greek and the Hebrew, and I don't know the Hebrew version, but in the Greek, their language is a lot more elaborate than ours. For the word love, there are five different words in the Greek, and I can't remember how many there are in the Hebrew for the word love, so that you can know what type of love it's talking about. It's that way with not just the word love, which love, there's, there's philo, which is brotherly love. There's um, agape, which is God kind of love. And there's many others, and, but it's that way with almost every single word. The word weight also has other, wor- other versions of the word weight in the Greek and Hebrew. And when you study out what this version of the word means, it doesn't mean this kind of weight. What it actually means... they that wait upon the Lord. And that puts a whole nother spin on it. Because you think of a waiter at those nice restaurants. And I don't know if you've ever been to one of those, but they're kind of cool. Because when you finally get to one of those, whereas, you know, like, and I, I, I'm not going to say I don't like it. I like a golden corral like anybody else, but you're waiting for your drink or whatever. They might get to you. They might not. You might have to go, you know, into your dessert before you get a refill. But when you're at one of these nice restaurants, the waiter's watching you. And the good waiters will spot you a mile away. They could have like 10 different tables. And now the corner eye, they'll spot you. And your water could get like that low. And they come over and they excuse me. Is that better, Mr. Coon? Anything else? And if they so much as get a little dribble on the side, they because they're waiting on your every, just to make sure they get it perfect. And watching to make sure you're waiting on properly. That's the kind of wait God wants us to do with him when we wait upon the Lord. So whatever you're believing for, he wants you to be about his business, about him. When the Israelites started doing that, they would get on the right track. And you could follow this out in scripture. It tells you the lands they went through. So you can tie it up to when they were good, they were headed the right way. When they were being bad and complaining, it was almost a complete walk in the other direction. It's kind of like, and I kind of look at it as God had a real sense of humor because if you could look down at it, that's pretty funny. Um, kind of like, like the whole when your parents, like you're, they tell you they're going to take you to a special park and you're arguing with your sibling in the back and they said, we will turn this car around. Well, he actually a couple times turned the car around. And they start going back the other way. And... But if you wait on him and you're about his business, then the whole time, you don't see it, but you're watching other people get blessed or you're watching other people get what you're believing for. He tells you, don't be jealous. Be patient. Be happy for them. Rejoice for them. All right, Lord. What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. And you're just waiting upon him, doing his work. And then you start to see, because you're developing, the whole time he's doing that and you're getting more into character, you're becoming more like him. And you find that you're getting closer and closer to Jesus the whole time you do it. And your desires change. Now what you wanted in that table isn't what you used to want in that table. It's a little bit different. And then you start praying differently. You start asking slightly different, more specific, but also different type prayers. And then you start hearing him speak back to you, just like that waiter. 
Because like I said, a good waiter, they're attentive. The ones at your McDonald's and stuff, yeah, what can I get for you? That, that's McDonald's. A nice restaurant, you're paying for that service to be waited on to have that, yes, what can I get you? And so as you wait upon him in the right way, you start to hear his voice more because you're doing what he's asking you to do. You're not hesitant. You jump at it. I'm, I'm, I'm the man for the job. I'm, I'm what you need me to be. He tells you not to do something. All right, Lord, I won't do that anymore. I'll change. Help me to change. Give me the desire to change. He tells you to do something. Go pray for that person. Go help that person. All right, all right, I'll do it. Uh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll, I'll get to that, God, because, <laughs> again, okay, we'll do this again. And then when you get tired of this, all right, all right, Lord, I'll do it. And to some people, some people, they're wondering why, didn't, why, you know, I heard God years ago, and I stopped. Well, because whatever it was he talked to you about last, you didn't do that yet. And so as soon as you do that thing or stop doing something you're not supposed to, then he can get you back on and then you start hearing his voice again because you're back closer to where you need to be. And then as he develops you, keeps working on your heart, keeps working on you, your attitude towards other people begin to change. You start becoming more like Christ in how you relate to other people. You start being a better witness. Like the whole vision of the church, loving God, loving people, loving life helps you with all those things. So as you're waiting on him, then one of the other cool things you notice, as you begin waiting on that table, and you start noticing that your desires are changing because the scripture says he gives you the desires of your heart. A lot of people think that's a result. Sometimes, but it's also the very desires. So some of those desires become godly desires, and he's put those in you because you're watching. And you notice that the ones sitting at the table that you've been waiting for is Jesus the whole time. And then you, he finally says, did you come sit at the table with me? Now you're used to waiting. You're like, I can get that thing that I've been praying for? I can, I can have what I've been believing for? Well, now you're, now you're right. Like the, like the Israelites, when they finally got to the promised land, it was their time to reap. It was their time for harvest, for what they're believing for, because their heart was right. Just like with, you think of with a father, and, and this is what a lot of people miss in religion. My wife, she's, she's watching this program, and it's all about cults and stuff like that. And it's real important, just like all the cults that are out there to try to, because people are hungry for the spiritual. They're hungry to fill that void. And there's so many religions out there that try to give them that, but they're obviously not true. They're cults. And a lot of people, they follow Christianity from a traditional God somewhere up there, and I, I know he hears me, and it's almost like a roll of the dice. I say a prayer occasionally, and I hope he hears me. And they don't realize how real this relationship is, but when you study scripture, how passionate God is for us and how much he enjoys talking with us. Man, just talking about it will make you just want to fall in love with him because it's just like he constantly relates it to a relationship between a husband and a wife and how he's a jealous God, just like a husband with a spouse. And, and there's scriptures, especially in Ezekiel, where he gets very vocal in when he starts rebuking them for going after other gods. And he gets very descriptive in relating it to the unfaithfulness of a person in a marriage relationship. And so he, he wants that relationship. And just like a, you think of um, when I was a kid, 
my dad was do his own auto stuff to save money and stuff like that, and he got really good at it. Um, and so he'd call me in the garage sometimes, and he'd want to show me how to change a tire and how to, and I'm sure some of your parents probably did the same thing. And I think of that, like, with us, my dad could have changed a tire faster than if I wasn't there, you know what I mean, than with me there, because it's going to take 10 times as long because he's got to show me every little step. But he delighted in showing me how to change a tire. And it's the same thing with God. He doesn't just enjoy us. He doesn't just like you. He likes taking the journey with you. Even while, even while Israel was being disobedient and they were having to learn characters of God. Now, some of them he got frustrated with. Some of them he didn't have a heart after him, and he knew it. But the ones that did, as they're learning, as he's just like a diamond being cut, he's chipping away at that thing. He's enjoying that whole process as the light bulbs are going on. And people are getting closer to God and understanding his character, his methods. The reason why, when I'm in the uh, corrections officer now, and we have to go through the academy. One of the things, and I've told my wife, I hated, was some of the rigidness of the academy. Like, you had to square your corner. So if I'm coming to a corner right here, I had to. And you had to do that down the hallway, everywhere. And they would call you on it. If you didn't square a corner, they'd be like, square your corner. You know, and you had to pin your hands, and you had it all military style, and you had to do all this kind of stuff. And then when you went up to uh, lunch, you had to stand at attention, take a step, and then go to parade rest, put your arms behind your back. And if you so much as didn't do it or you looked around, they'd call you out, on it, and you couldn't talk at lunch and all this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, God, I hate, I hate that part. I like the learning, I, but I hate that part. I, I can do it, but I just hate it. To me, it was so ridiculous. It was so... And but then when you step into the prison, you realize why they do all of it. Because it makes you more attentive. You're more in step with your partner. Um, and everything you do, if you have to do uh, what they call cell extraction, where you take somebody out of a cell who's not wanting to come be compliant, you're working off your team. You have to look at a peripheral vision, what your teammate is doing, what they're not doing, so you know how to cover them. And all of that academy, the, the attention to detail, everything, just like the detail of the waiter with a, with a nice restaurant, was for a purpose. Every single thing was per for a purpose. And in our walk with God, when you realize why he has you pray certain ways and why he chips away certain things like impatience, like, um, and I'll, I'll throw this out as an example. Let's say, it's, let's say it's with a loved one and you're praying for them to get saved and they're, they're, they're not changing and stuff like that. And so you're getting, you're, your attitude's getting lousy and you're snapping them because they might be not taking your time at church seriously or they're, or they're, they're, they're making fun of you going to church or, or they can't understand why you want to read the Bible or why you don't like certain programs that you used to like because now you have this walk with God. And they don't understand that. And so you get frustrated and then that makes you short-tempered with them and they lunge out at you because, and you guys are back and forth, but God's telling you, love them. Love them. Be patient. Be, and you find that as you're patient with them, they're more receptive to what you want to tell them about God. Because like the old saying goes, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And then you say, oh, that's why, God, I didn't have a heart of patience towards them. That's why it took so long. I didn't have a heart of love for them, the agape love, the unconditional love. And as he's chipping those things away, he's enjoying that whole walk because he likes seeing that. Even the Bible says that even the angels watch with anticipation over us. 
And not that not that that we're any more special than the angels. I mean, we are in a way because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. But because they don't know what the Holy Spirit is going to tell us next, what He's going to have us do, and they enjoy also watching us learn. They love watching us learn about how God wants us to act and the results of it. A race isn't worth cheering for if, like, it's an Oprah Winfrey type race where you get a trophy and you get a trophy and you get a trophy. It's only worth it if it, if it was a challenge and if it was something to work for that was hard to get. And it took some chipping away. And it took some effort. There was, um, I might have shared this before, but there's a, a Joyce Meyer um, story that she told one time, and she said, um, there's this guy who went in a, a, a blacksmith shop and was going to ask for um, a ring to be made. And nobody was there. And he knocked on the, the counter, and he heard a voice from the back, says, just a minute, I'll be right with you. Waited, waited, nothing. Just a minute, I'll be right there as soon as I can. Waited, finally went back around the counter to where the voice was because she really wanted this rain. And this guy, the blacksmith, is sitting over this vat of molten gold. And, she, and he's just staring at it. And he says, what are you doing? He says, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to keep you waiting, but he says, this is very expensive. And he says, and I have to sit here and watch and refine this gold till it's right. And then I got to pull it out. And if I pull it out too late or too early, it's not pure gold. And she stands over his shoulder and she says, how do you know when it's ready? And he says, when I see my reflection. And in scripture, it says, we see it through veiled face. But when we get to heaven, it'll be face to face. It's the same with this. And the coolest thing, the coolest thing in this relationship, and this is what Jesus really wants, is not only do your desires change, not only those things you're believing for changes, but then when you're waiting on him properly and you're growing and and you're growing in your walk with him and you're growing in a relationship with people and you're seeing the results of your prayers, you're seeing those things come to pass, you're coming into your promised land and he tells you to come sit at the table and you sit here, and then you realize it's Jesus you've been talking to the entire time, and, and he's sitting across the table, and you've been building this relationship with him, and you realize, not only did my desires change, and I want different things, but more than any of this, I want this. I want to just hang with you, Jesus. I just want to talk with you. And that's what he wanted the whole entire time, more than anything, is just to build that relationship with you. The stuff doesn't mean anything. He has no problem giving you the stuff, but if you're not equipped to take it, and most importantly, if, you're not, if you don't have a desire to know him, that breaks his heart, and this doesn't mean anything. So he wants to build that. And that's why the scripture says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. He knew there's going to be people that didn't want to go. And he made that decision before he made the world. But yet, so, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess with your thinking a little bit here, but if you think that, okay, there's, Jesus has no time, he's outside of time, and it says in the, in the Gospel of John, first chapter, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in God of the, with God in the beginning. And what that's saying is the Word, of course, is Jesus. So Jesus was with the Father in the creation, and he knew he was going to have to go to the cross all the way before in the creation. But yet, so you think, he knows he has to go to the cross, And then yet he's 
So, so he makes that decision, and then he makes man, and then he says, it is good in Genesis. He looks at man, knowing all of that in John, and says it is good. Why would he do that? But the, like I said, the Bible says, for the joy set before him, because all he wanted was people that want this and really want it and aren't forced to have it. They want their relationship just like a husband and a wife. When you do that, and you develop that, then you find what that scripture that I started with says, they that wait upon the Lord renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They find that they look back and they, I ran and didn't get weary. I walked and didn't faint. And that's what that scripture means. And so when you look at it like that, you realize waiting isn't a bad thing at all. It's all part of the process. It's all part of the walk. As you come on Sundays and Wednesdays and in your quiet time with God, be expecting in that waiting period. Whatever you're believing for, whatever you've been praying for, don't stop praying. God delights in you praying. But be expectant. And just be looking the whole time you're waiting like that waiter. Just picture that. Every time you pray, just picture not you with the watch, which is what most people think. Picture you with that towel over your head. And as I'm waiting, God, what do you want me to do? Help out of my church? What do you want me to do? What don't you want me to do? Stop maybe that person I'm believing for. Maybe I need to back off a little bit. Give them space and just let them know I'm there for them. I love them no matter what. Holy Spirit will direct you. And the cool thing is, is that the Holy Spirit's a counselor. So you can be the person on the couch and ask the Holy Spirit specific things because he says he'll guide us into all truth, not just biblical truth, truth in everyday life. Talk to him. Ask him. He wants to talk to you. Amen? All right, if we could stand, close this out in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this group. I thank you, God, for how personal and real you are, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that as we spend time with you, we'll be like the kid with the, the changing the tire on the car. And your, your hands are on top of ours as we have the, 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 the um, crowbar. We're taking the lug nuts off. We'll be the waiter with a towel over our arm. And you're sitting right there at the table with an empty seat across from you because you want to get us to that place where you're just sitting right across from you, face to face. Lord, those things that everybody in here is believing for, that they may have not even shared with anybody, I pray you make it happen. And I pray they see, they see the fruit of their prayers, even the little steps towards that as they're walking towards their promised land, whatever they're believing for, they start to see as they walk towards it, the glimmer of it, and that they do not grow weary. And they walk and they don't faint. Thank you, Lord, and bless them as they leave here. Give them safe travel. Thank you for all that you do. and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.